it is Palm Sunday. And uh, this Easter bit, uh, I've been kind of looking at Luke's Gospel. And as I was saying this morning, the, the, the funny thing about uh, Palm Sunday in Luke's Gospel is there's no palms. You know, they, they, they're kind of missing uh, from the, the story. And uh, uh, I said, you know, but instead, you know, we could think of it maybe as donkey. Sunday, because that is in all four Gospels. And as I'd been uh, pondering the idea of the donkey and the the journey into uh, Jerusalem, of course my my mind went to other donkeys, and it's not that long since in the evening we thought of Balaam's uh, donkey and uh, that sort of what appeared a really reluctant beast, but, uh, but which was actually seeing an angel. Uh, and of course, the other time that we quite often think of a donkey um, it is nine months from now. Because today is the 25th of March, uh, and I was thinking about jumping in a time machine and either I was trying to work out whether we would have to go nine months forward to get to Christmas or, you know, sort of three months the other way to, to, to sort of have that story that we always imagine having a donkey in, but again, that's actually when it's missing. Um, we have our Christmas cards, we have our songs, be it a little donkey or which we have to watch with the copyright issues because it, it doesn't fall under CCLI um, though we did find a way around about that a year ago by buying a different license briefly um, but you know th- there's those songs and images and everything um, that does have a donkey and maybe also has a little palm tree in the corner too um, but of course, the Christmas story, or this kind of Luke's gospel telling of the Christmas story, doesn't quite begin, you know, in the Bethlehem stable, does it? And it doesn't begin with Mary being told that there's going to be a baby. It happens kind of about six months before that one. So you're actually, uh, if you're using a present calendar, you'd be, you'd be in September sometime. And where we find ourselves is actually at the temple. Because we have Zechariah. Zechariah, who a year past Christmas was excellently acted by Danny um, in our uh, video of the Nativity. Um, Zechariah getting the news uh, that there was going to be a child in a truly godly encounter in the temple. God coming and meeting with him. And that has to start raising questions about just what is this temple 
What is this temple like? What is the impression we have of the temple as we see it in the New Testament? Because quite often we imagine as we read the Gospels, it is this place that, as in Luke 19, that follows on um, the, the bit of Luke 19 that follows on from our triumphal entry, we come to the temple. And at Luke 19, verse 45, I'll move that out of the way because otherwise I'm stuck in the page and I can't read it. Um, Jesus, who's entered, um, come down towards the city and has wept over Jerusalem. Then he entered the temple area, verse 45, and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. The temple has uh, become a place that it's not meant to be. And we have this impression that rests with us quite often as we read the gospel. That message there about the temple sticks with us. We think about those who work in the temple and serve in the temple. And we go, "Mm, don't know about what's going on at this temple place. This place where it was thought God dwelt on earth. In 1 Kings 8, Solomon, as he's dedicating the temple, struggles with that concept of God dwelling on earth. He says, will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place which you said, my name shall be there so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. May the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear forgive. It seems that Solomon was really struggling with the concept that people would already have about the temple. This picture of the temple and what it would be, God's presence there. Will God really dwell on earth? Yes, he will. And not simply confined to the temple. 
we see in the Christmas story God coming and dwelling on the earth. A sort of announcement of that in that Zechariah story. And then we see in Luke's Gospel the temple again. At Candlemas, Jesus is a baby. And Anna and Simeon encounter this 40-day-old child. A place of meeting God. And then we jump forwards in our time machine to Jesus being 12 years old and his presence in his father's house just after the Passover festival. And then again as an adult following his baptism by John and the 40 days in the wilderness, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand On the highest point of the temple, the devil tempting him, saying, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. But of course, Jesus resists. There are encounters that reveal the presence of the temple in the presence of God. God is dwelling among the people. And Jesus preaches a parable about the people attending the temple. And then, of course, we have this triumphant entry An entry into a house of prayer or a den of robbers. A place that maybe wasn't all that it was meant to be. But the presence of God brings a change. Jesus brings wholeness, brings hope, transforms the situation. We think of this being the turning of the tables. Luke of course, has gone and missed the tables out of this as well, hasn't he? But he turns the tables. He makes the change. He makes the difference that needs to come in that place. And then we see in verse 47 that every day he was teaching at the temple. Every day. The rest of the week is spent in the temple or at least the daytime he nips out of the city in the evening 
to go and rest and be with his friends. And as he speaks, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the leaders among the people, were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Everyone listened. Everyone paid attention. He spends the week there until his arrest and it is the temple guards that are there that come and take him in the garden of Gethsemane. He has his trial an unjust trial and at his death at noon on the Friday the temple curtain is ripped ending that separation from what was considered the holiest place all can come close to God but that's not the last we hear of the temple For Luke continues this sense of the temple being important right up to his very last verse. The last verse in Luke's gospel has the disciples following the ascension return back to the city. Back to this holy place And they gather there for prayer. They stay continually at the temple, praising God. You know, when I think of the Jerusalem temple normally, particularly as it appears in the New Testament, I think of that verse about the den of robbers. I think about how the people were. But actually for Luke, as he writes his gospel, it's vitally important to who Jesus is and how we are called to be. We are called to be people who gather and encounter God. We're called to be people who praise. We're called to be people that challenge what is normally there and think about how God really intended it to be. Not the way that the devil tempts us. Not the way that the priests and those who ran that complex were living. But to be more like the person that was a tax collector in the parable in Luke 18. The one that knew he was fallen, knew that he was wrong, 
but yet also knew that the Lord forgives. Not the one that brandishes the huge amount of money and makes a big show, but like the widow that brings the might. I wonder what of temple still remains today as we meet in our churches and what is it that's positive and what is it that's negative what would it be that Luke would write about in a way that embraces and encourages that Jesus would see as a positive thing in our life And having made that triumphant entry, if Jesus was to come down the high street on a donkey tonight, what would he seek to drive out from among us, from what we do? Why don't we have a couple of minutes just thinking with the folk next to us about what Jesus would seek to change in the church today.